Welcome to Notes from the Backpack, a PTA podcast. I'm LaWanda Tony, And I'm Hella Westmoreland. And you're listening to our Healthy Minds mini-series focused entirely on our family's mental health and social-emotional well-being. We're releasing all the episodes at once, so you can listen however you like, if you like to space them out, if you like to binge them all at once. Please do so and let us know what you think by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts so others can find us too. Helen, I love that this mini-series lets you do a deep dive into mental health because these conversations are so important. We're talking with psychologists about how to address serious mental illness and how to proactively address mental health. That's right, LaWanda, and that's why we are so excited today to talk about something we all deal with and our kids deal with, which is stress. We are inviting the incredible Dr. John Duffy to the show to talk about stress and anxiety. Dr. Duffy is a clinical psychologist, best-selling author, and certified life coach with nearly 20 years of experience supporting kids and parents. Dr. Duffy is the author of multiple best-selling books, including Parenting the New Teen in the Age of Anxiety. He also hosts his own podcast, Better with Dr. John Duffy and Julie Duffy, and lives outside Chicago with his wife and son. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Duffy. Thanks so much for having me, Helen and Luanda. It's great to be here with you. We are super excited. This could not be a more timely topic. We'd like to start our episodes with our experts just hearing a little bit about you and your journey to this work. Yeah, my journey here has been an odd one. I'm a recovering CPA from about 25 years ago. I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) What a transition. (laughs) I always knew I wanted to do this work and stumbled, honestly, upon working with teens when I started my practice. My referrals came from school social workers and psychologists, and I wasn't that interested, honestly, in working with this population. And once I started, kind of fell in love with these kids. You guys know how this goes. And Every single one of them. And I think I've worked with, over the course of all these years, about 500 teenagers. And they're all amazing. Whether they're depressed or anxious or going through social things, they're an incredible group of people. And I've been impressed with every single one I've worked with all the way through the years. Never more so than in this last year during this pandemic and the quarantine period. And all of these shuffles back and forth school-wise and and socially. Kids have managed this with a lot of grace and with a lot of struggle and turmoil as well. So I'm deeply concerned about the well-being collectively of our kids, but I'm also blown away by their resilience and their brilliance and their competence and everything they know that they're able to synthesize and integrate, which sometimes is a blessing and sometimes is a curse for them. So it sounds like, Dr. Duffy, that there is hope. There is that light at the end of the tunnel based on what you're saying and the interactions that you've had with some of the families and parents and teenagers. Always. And absolutely (laughs) now there is. But one thing that's incumbent upon parents and those of us who work with teenagers is to make sure that that hope, that that light of hope doesn't go out. Because Mm -hmm. If you are 15, 16, 17, 18 years old right now, a big chunk of your life is spent dealing with this pandemic and with the quarantine and all the fallout Mm -hmm. that comes out of that. And that's on top of everything that I wrote the second book about, Parenting the New Teen in the Age of Anxiety. 
I thought I knew what the age of anxiety was about when I wrote that book, guys. And it turns out it's far more <laughs> difficult than I thought it was a year yeah. and a half ago. Yeah. But on top of all the social media pressure, on top of all the academic pressure, on top of all the regular social pressure, pressure from parents, it is truly an age of anxiety for teenagers. So I think what our job is to step in and alleviate as much of that anxiety as we can and make sure our kids get the help and support they need so that they're not overwhelmed on a regular basis, so that they are able to enjoy a lot of this part of their life and go through all the developmental milestones that they need to go through in order to mm -hmm. navigate adolescence successfully. Mm-hmm. Great. This is a perfect transition. You mentioned a lot of teenagers you work with struggle with stress. And recently we spoke to a parent facing some similar issues. Swarnima, she's a mom of a high school son in Seattle, and she shared some of her pressures her son is facing. If you don't mind, let's take a listen and then discuss her needs on the other side. Students who are a part of the district have typically been high achievers. They continue to experience work-related stress, further exacerbated by peer pressure often brought about by parents. Anxiety due to expectations from parents and to top it all, lack of connection brought about by the pandemic. Adults like us are constantly being told at work to take some time for self-care and to be okay with letting go. Most workplaces have adapted and are offering flexibility to employees. But these students still have the pressure to complete the curriculum, do well in the class quizzes and tests, and as well as outperform others so as to stand out as they progress in their various pathways towards college, etc. How can these tweens or teenagers be guided to step back? What is the best form of support for a teen experiencing stress? How can the students be encouraged to reach out for help before reaching the point of crisis? What do you think, Dr. Duffy? First of all, what a perfect synthesis of what families are going through right now mm -hmm. and have been for years, and you had the pandemic on top of it, even more so. We parents are stressed out and we are getting a little more flexibility, most of us in our workplaces, but our kids still carry enormous social, mm -hmm. emotional, and academic stress. So really the question seems to revolve around how do we help them navigate that, alleviate that, and work through that successfully? Because even a very, very type A kid is going to have a very difficult time making it through this whole period without getting overly anxious, overwhelmed, and crashing. Sure. Kids who underperform tend to underperform more at times like this and mm. opt out is kind of what I describe they do. And what they mm -hmm. really need from us is some kind of a blueprint. So that doesn't mean adding to their pressure, talking about what they're not doing right, going through the portals one by one every single day and pressing them to make sure that every single assignment is done perfectly. They know the drill. They know what they're supposed to do. Our job as parents and counselors and therapists is to really serve as allies and guides and consultants mm -hmm. to these kids so that when they need support, when they need to just talk it through, we are available to them to do that. And too often, we are not. Too often, we are going to lecture them about what needs mm -hmm. to happen. But what they really need more than anything else is our ear. And I mm -hmm. think because we, as parents, feel so much pressure for our kids to perform well, we sometimes forget to just listen. And sometimes all our kids need us mm -hmm. to do 
is to listen to what they have to say. Tell us about the difficult day they've just had, about the test they just failed, about the assignments that are late, about how overwhelmed they are. And we can't solve that for them, but we can be there for them just to hear them out. And sometimes that's all the reset they need in order to get back to it. But if we are lecturing, we're piling stress on top of stress on top of stress, Mm -hmm. and eventually our children break. And that's where people like me get called in. The cavalry gets called in to kind of repair Mm -hmm. what's broken. But in order to fix that problem before it gets there, a lot of listening has to happen on the part of the adults in these kids' lives. The more we listen, the better off they're going to be, the better off they're going to be able to navigate this time, and they'll know, okay, I was able to tell mom and dad this terrible thing or this Mm -hmm. thing that's not done yet, and it's okay. It's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. It really strikes me, Dr. Duffy, as you're talking that some of the great advice you share with parents about how to support their teen during this time is not all that different from any of us who've been in couples counseling. And it's like, how do you listen without judgment, without problem solving, Mm -hmm. without making it about you. And I'm curious, as you work with teens and families, in addition to some of what you've shared about stepping on the brake a little of your reaction, are there other strategies parents can use to either be more self-aware or just show up for their teen in that more authentic listening space? I'm so glad you asked that, Helen. So my first book, I was trying to answer that very question. What can parents really do to approach their kids in a way that doesn't guarantee that split, that break in the relationship that we almost expect during those adolescent years in particular? And what I find works is if we are aware And I don't expect any parent, honestly, to be perfect at this. None of us is. (laughs) But if we are just aware of our own fear about whatever the situation is, whatever's going on with our kids, our own sense of fear, and we can put that on the back burner, at least for a moment while we're talking to our child, our own judgment, our own judgment about our child. You know, you should have gotten this done sooner. My goodness, you're so lazy. (laughs) This room's a mess. You're not doing your work. And our own judgment of ourselves, because sometimes we'll say like, boy, I think I'm failing my child somehow, and I'm not sure how to repair that. So judgment aside is important. And our own egos, that might be the hardest part, because we all want the bumper stickers that say our kids are doing amazing things. And (laughs) if we can park that on the back burner as well, fear and judgment and ego, and bring a sense of lightness and a sense of humor and curiosity to our kids. That mm. makes all the difference. And curiosity, probably more important now than ever because kids often feel, mm. and I get to work with kids alone, so they'll tell me, they often feel rejected by their parents for the music they listen to, for what they wear. Mm. And if we can just get into their worlds and listen to them, I always encourage parents to think about that emotional bank account. And you're right, Helen, this is what we talk about with couples as well, right? You've got to attend to the emotional bank account with each other. Otherwise, your relationship is doomed no matter what else you do, no matter how much time you spend together. If you're not attending to the emotional bank account and really putting deposits in there, then you're really not connecting. So the idea to foster the connection is to take fear, judgment, and ego. Move them aside as best you can, as often as you can. It's not going to be perfect. Bring a sense of humor and a lot of curiosity to the Mm -hmm. program. I always tell parents, 
Your children don't listen to the music they listen to to challenge you. They listen because they love it, just like you did when you were their age. So trust them <laughs> and be curious about it. Yeah, it's so hard as a parent not to take it personal. I was telling Luanda, we're going through this thing with my kid, and it does feel it's like you're doing this literally just to make my day more difficult. <laughs> And she's three. And I'm like, <laughs> How, what a heavy thing to put on a kid. But I think you're so right that we know this in the context of adult relationships. But with our kids, we want to support them to be those healthy, emotionally available adults. So sometimes that means looking at our own relationship dynamic a little differently. Yeah, Definitely. I agree with you, Helen. I think that when a friend has a challenge and they reach out to you like your girlfriend or a colleague, you take that judgment hat off immediately. You are there to listen. But when we start thinking about our own children, we put on a different hat. And I like what you said, Dr. Duffy, that we should have curiosity mm -hmm. and listen and humor. Don't take it so seriously. I think those are so important things to remember as a parent, but it's so hard in that moment to be able to do that. And now for a quick break. National PTA's mission is to make every child's potential a reality, which means helping kids thrive both in and out of the classroom. Mental health and well-being are an essential part of the PTA mission, which is why we're excited to introduce our new Healthy Minds Initiative. In addition to the podcast miniseries you're currently listening to, National PTA has lots of other resources designed to help you support your kids' social and emotional development. Thank you to the Allstate Foundation, Go Guardian, and our other generous sponsors for funding our Healthy Minds work. You can learn more at pta.org slash healthy minds. I want to shift a little bit because Swarnima and I also talked about how to help teams have realistic expectations. So we're going to play this clip and then we'll talk about it on the other side. They have seen what their peers in the previous years have been able to achieve. So even if we don't want to, or even if the parents are telling the students, it's somewhere inbuilt in their mentality that last year, seniors from my school went to Stanford, or last year, seniors from my school started a company when they were in 11th grade, or last year, somebody from my school helped a nonprofit or everything, right? And all those things are so much harder to do at this point. So they have set their bar too high. And how can that bar I mean, it's very difficult to say, oh, lower your bar and let it be because like a year from now, things are going to switch back and they'll be the batch that don't do all that. So it's difficult to say that. Dr. Duffy, I think that a lot of parents and teenagers are feeling that way. Like graduation was different for my friend. College was different for my friend who had their freshman year. And now mine, it's going to be different. And they think that difference is going to be worse. How do we help them set these expectations? And what Swarnima said was then when things turn back or if they turn back, how do we have them adjust? Yeah, it's such a great question and very of the moment because this is what I'm dealing with every day in my office is where to put that level of parental expectation based on where we are in this pandemic, in these strange times where school might be in session full time or might not, and our sports groups, clubs, activities might be meeting, might not. It is mm -hmm. messy and confusing. And I worked with a mom a couple of weeks ago who had a pretty good answer to this that I've been adopting and using with other client mm -hmm. families. And she said, we need to look at a very temporary new normal. 
and create a different set of expectations for this period of time. And she realized she's been putting all this pressure on her family, on her teenagers and her younger kids, and it is not working. And they are imploding as a family. And the household feels Mm -hmm. stressed and tense and unhappy. And she just didn't want that vibe anymore. So what she decided was, we're going through a pandemic. And just making it through a difficult time like this, this is what our kids are going to remember, first of all. They'll always remember this time in their lives. And the goal here is not necessarily to know algebra as best as you can or to get straight A's. If you make it through this time and your kids get some of their work done and they attend most of their Mm -hmm. classes, Zoom or otherwise, and their rooms are reasonably clean and you're not losing it on them every single day, she said, take the pandemic, pass, fail. And right now, passing me. We are doing a good enough job. I love that. Right. Isn't that great? Take some of the pressure off of yourself, of your family and recognize that you are doing something mighty and amazing just by making it through this time. And you do have this opportunity to create new connections because you're spending more time together with yourself and your kids and your family than you maybe ever thought you were going to have the opportunity to do. So make the most of it and create some memories because this is time you're all going to remember. And whatever grit and tenacity and resilience that your kids pick up during this time, they're going to carry into the future with them. Might be a better, stronger, more potent lesson than anything they would have learned otherwise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's so true. It's like we're in a time where we have to give ourselves and our families a little more grace. And yeah. it's like Tornima said, in a professional setting, it's easier to ask for that. But in our personal lives, sometimes it can be hard. Just segueing a little bit, Dr. Duffy, I think universally, even outside this year, one of the questions we hear a lot from parents is this worry of like, when should I call you? When should I call the therapist? And underneath that is this existential question around what's just normal stress and what's escalating to a point of anxiety where you need help. And I was reading your blog before we started chatting today and noticed that you've really advocated normalizing therapy preventatively Mm -hmm. for everyone. So I'd love if you could talk about when do we need therapy from your perspective and just what to look for in your kids to know if things are escalating to a point we need some outside help? Okay. So let me start by talking about when we need therapy. Mm-hmm. So we attend to our kids and most of us have this sense of radar. When something shifts kind of dramatically, our child suddenly is spending way more time in his or her room alone. They're sullen. They're less interested in being out with friends or going to school, their grades drop precipitously and you can't quite figure out why is this? You know, there's nothing in his or her life that seems to be going on that would drive that. If you see that massive change in affect, so expressed affect, the way they express their emotions, behavior, the way they seem to be thinking, if they dress differently just all of a sudden and it seems troubling and disruptive to either their functioning or your family, then that's the time to reach out to a therapist and you won't regret it. There is no downside. I would encourage parents to really consider reaching out to a therapist who is familiar with working with kids, 
your child's age, regardless of what that child's age is, so that you are not shopping for therapists as you go. With most children, you don't get four or five tries. You usually get one. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. make sure it's a good one. (laughs) As for that preventive piece, you're right, Helen, I do advocate for. One remarkable thing about a pandemic is that I was seeing a lot of kids before the pandemic. And I thought once March 11th or 12th, whatever it was last year hit, I thought, oh, I'm going to have to drive Uber or something. There's not going to be any work and nobody's going to come in. So we were all doing this teletherapy, right? I'd never heard of a Zoom call a year and a month ago. And now all of a sudden, mm-hmm. that's all I do for the better part of a year. Wow. It turns out that a lot of people in a preventive way realized my kid's going through a hard time, even though he or she is not showing any symptoms. So mm-hmm. even though emotionally, I think they're doing okay, I want them to have somebody out there to talk to. So mm-hmm. I did a number of sessions where I talked to somebody three or four times, and I can tell that I'm kind of on call for them. And, and some of the therapists that I keep in touch with, they've had that same moment where all of a sudden the taboo that was there maybe a year and a half ago has lifted a lot for young people. For young people, it's barely there at all. But even for parents, they're more likely to just say, you know what? I'd like you to have somebody to talk to other than mom or dad. So we're going to go Mm -hmm. see a therapist a few times and let's see how it goes. And if you want to keep seeing them, great. If you want to take a break and just know somebody so that if and when you want to talk to somebody, you've got somebody out there then that's great too. So I love that model. I think that's going to work really, really well for kids going forward because I don't know any of us who at some point in our lives isn't going to benefit from therapy. So to know that that's okay to do and know a therapist or two and understand the dynamics Mm -hmm. of just going, sitting and talking to somebody about your life, your feelings, to familiarize yourself with that. Mm. That is great. And I feel so optimistic because we've had conversations with families and now it is starting to normalize it. People say, well, what therapist are you guys using? Do you feel like it's working? Before, talking about a therapist was like a hush-hush thing. Everyone didn't talk about that. And I feel like now people are more open to the conversation, which is great. Agreed completely. And (laughs) I do notice the same thing that you're talking about, Lawanda, that Parents are talking to one another and asking, who are you talking to? You know, are they good mm-hmm. with kids our ages? And that normalizes things and removes the stigma and the taboo really, really readily. And again, I think any kid is going to benefit from this. If I could push it even further, I wish that grade schools, grammar schools, high schools, yeah. middle schools actually taught some more social emotional learning type skills, because I think our kids are ready for that. 20 years ago, I was trying to push this on some school districts here in the Chicago area, and the timing was terrible then. Mm. Now, I think the timing is great because we've all gone through something truly traumatic in the last year, right? So Mm -hmm. as awful as that is, there is this opportunity for more of us to seek the help we need and more of our kids do the same. Dr. Duffy, thank you so much for this discussion. I know that we've gained so much from talking to you, and we hope that our parents and families listening will also gain a lot of your expertise from this conversation. So thank you for joining us. Before we leave, I wanted to ask you, are there any resources available for families that you might suggest? 
Yeah. So depending on the ages of your child, I have some colleagues who I am very fond of. If you have a middle schooler, Michelle Eichard, I-C-A-R-D, is wonderful. And Phyllis Fagel, also a middle school oh, yeah. expert. She's a friend uh, of the show. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I love her. And my bias would be to follow some of these people, Lisa Demore, and there's so many oh, yeah. wonderful experts, and a lot of them are very accessible and show up on podcasts and wonderful shows like yours to share their wisdom. So my bias is don't just follow me, but follow a bunch of parenting experts because, listen, today really truly takes a village <laughs> to raise kids, and you yes. want to make sure that you gain expertise from a number of points of view because... I'm always blown away by some people who I really respect and they come up with ideas and I'm thinking, why didn't I ever think of that? So I work <laughs> in that parenting space all the time in my head. So I think the more you read about parenting and the more you listen to podcasts and learn about it, the mm -hmm. better off you're going to be. Awesome. And Dr. Duffy, remind us what your social media handles are and where listeners can learn more about you and your work. Sure. I am Dr. John Duffy on Twitter and at Dr. John Duffy on Instagram and Dr. John Duffy on Facebook. My website is drjohnduffy.com. So anything I'm doing or anything I've got going on, you should find right there. Awesome. Great. Thank you. To our audience listening at home, thank you for joining us. And for more resources related to today's episode, check out notesfromthebackpack.com. We also want to share with you, National PTAs created a mental health resource webpage for parents, students, and educators. Learn more at pta.org slash healthy minds. Thank you again, Dr. Duffy, for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. And thanks, listeners. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to Notes from the Backpack, a PTA podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media at National PTA and online at pta.org forward slash backpack notes.